Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Benefits, a podcast from the team at Employer Advisor where we discuss all things employee benefits. I'm your host, Abby Dean, Employer Advisor's Head of Content, and thanks as always for being here. Now, today we are going to be examining uh, the implications of some major news that made headlines this past Friday, June 24th. Um, And that was the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. We touched on this topic very briefly in a past episode when the leaked Supreme Court document was first released back in May. Uh, You might recall that on that episode, Weller and I discussed how many companies in reaction to that news were extending the possibility of offering uh, travel reimbursements for those seeking abortions out of state. So I wanted to follow up with this now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And I want to think about what this means for employers. What should employers be thinking about? in light of this decision? How could this impact their current benefits offerings? And what complex compliance or other issues does this create as a result? Now, we can't answer the question, all of those questions today um, because this news is still very much unfolding. But to help me answer some of those questions, I am joined by Lisa Nelson. She is the Vice President of Employee Benefits and Compliance and Regulatory Affairs for the Levitt Group. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Lisa. Hi, everyone. I am very excited today. We are joined by Lisa Nelson. Um, This news broke on Friday. Today is Wednesday. This episode is going live today. So we really appreciate that we were able to get her uh, to talk with us today. So Lisa, thank you so much for being here. No problem. Happy to help out on this topic. (laughs) Indeed. Lots to discuss. So Lisa, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us uh, your title and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm Lisa Nelson. I'm the Vice President of Compliance and Regulatory Affairs, as well as a Corporate HIPAA Privacy Officer here at the Levitt Group. It is my job to stay on top of the latest in the legislative and regulatory world, as well as covering important legal issues that may affect employer-sponsored plans. So In doing that daily, I read the latest news or changed rules. I synthesize it into more consumable news for brokers servicing our clients who are employer-sponsored health and welfare plans, as well as I consult those clients themselves uh, through written articles, meetings, tools, seminars, webinars, which I also develop on a day-to-day basis. So quite busy. Indeed. Actually, uh, your first article you wrote about 
uh, Roe v. Wade is how I found Lisa. So I'll make sure to include that in the show notes for everyone to look at. Um, so again, lots to discuss here. Just a couple things happening since Friday. Um, but I kind of want to start a little bit before that. Um, Lisa, what was your first reaction when you heard the news about the leaked Supreme Court ruling that signaled um, a high probability that Roe v. Wade would be overturned? Sure. What was your reaction? Yeah. So in May, when the draft opinion was leaked, initially, I felt really concerned. Uh, I felt the need to get out in front of it before the decision was made, because at the Levitt Group, we really take pride in being proactive and not reactive. So I had a sense of urgency to really tell our Levitt community how to prepare for what looked like an impending outcome that could really shake up not only the right to abortive care in, in more than half of the states, but an impact on our employer clients in regards to their health plan coverage. When the decision came out, uh, I was not therefore 100% shocked because of the leak in May. Um, <clears throat> but I was still, as a woman, uh, very shocked. I actually wrote the article in tears, <laughs> if I'm being completely <laughs> open. <laughs> what does this mean for employers nationwide? And what are you thinking about now for your own clients? Yeah, this decision really created a, a more complicated patchwork of rules. We're already used to the patchwork of rules for self-funded versus insured. But now it's really created a lot of variation depending on the state in which the employer is sited or located, as well as where the employees are located. So in those states that already had restrictions on um abortive care, well, actually the ones that that already protected abortive care, like my state in California, uh, the employers will just really need to consult with their insurance brokers and consultants, as we call them, as well as potentially legal and tax professionals, because there are so many facets that must be considered, like, does my plan cover abortive care and what happens now, which will require not only reviewing the details of the plan, but the state laws as well. You also have to consider what if my employee wants to travel out of state to receive abortive care? Can I pay for it? What are the tax implications? Am I even allowed to facilitate travel over state lines? Because some states like Texas, even facilitating is a crime under their new state ban on abortive care. You have to consider how do I communicate with my staff on this very sensitive issue? There are really just a lot of questions that need to be answered by the consultants, lawyers, and tax professionals that the employers must rely on. So the employers just really need to ensure that they're working with the appropriate professionals with the capability to respond to those difficult questions. Right. And I assume the fact that so many companies now are hybrid, so mm -hmm. they may have employees all over the country yeah. further complicates this in addition to uh, what you mentioned about self-funded plans versus fully insured plans sure. does that sound right right for sure yeah um so back in may but then also since friday we've heard a lot about companies coming out and saying that they would offer reimbursements mm -hmm. uh for travel required to obtain an abortion um 
what's your reaction to this benefit? Um, and what would that look like logistically for employers to offer? Because that also sounds like you alluded to before, before very complicated. I, I, I have a girlfriend who works for Intuit. And so I was quite aware very early on of companies approach to the, the challenge, the, the news. So I was slightly concerned again. <laughs> I feared that um, some of those companies may not have considered all of the implications flowing from the offer to facilitate abortive care where state laws ban it. Not only the legal and criminal implications, but how are the reimbursements being taxed if they need to be, depending on if they're drawing the funds from the plan or an employer fund unrelated to the plan, like a hardship fund or a lifestyle spending account, for example. You have to consider who is offered this, only where states have bans, or do they need to also offer reimbursement for travel in states where abortive care is legal? Perhaps they are not afforded travel or covering any out-of-pocket costs typically for abortive care. What does your plan even offer? If covering lodging and travel outside of the plan, there's a lot of flexibility, but then you know, you have to consider if you're offering it within the plan, how does it affect mental health parity, non-quantitative limits that really require that mental health and substance use disorder, substance use disorders uh, must be offered at the same level uh, in cost as a medical offering. So if you're offering abortive care with no cost, then obviously that could impact uh, the Mental Health uh, Equity Act uh, which um, will require that that comparison. If you're offering travel and lodging at no cost, that will definitely impact it. So if you're offering within the health plan, like with your HRA or FSA, uh, which is a health reimbursement account or flexible spending account, uh, reimbursements for lodging is capped uh, tax-free at $50 a night <laughs> per IRS publication 502 and 969. So that won't get you very far. Um, you also have to consider HIPAA, uh, which will uh, require if you're obtaining uh, sensitive information in order to receive that reimbursement, which most of the time is required, then HIPAA is going to be impacted. You'll have to consider, are you getting those business associate agreements or there, those HIPAA releases with the appropriate people? People, You have to consider, do you need to change your plan documents? Uh, can telehealth cover it, uh, specifically the abortion pill, which in some states are also considering banning access uh, to that pill through telehealth. You have to also consider the Pregnancy Disability Act and other non-discrimination laws, and also the, the Affordable Care Act mandate to cover contraception in, in most plans is also being challenged right now. So you have to even start considering the future of contraception under your plan in your state. Uh, and finally, I really, really implore everyone to consider how you're discussing this. Be gentle, consider communications on this topics, your clients, related entities. Be proactive and gentle and matter of fact on the news rather than, than having opinion, like you've lost your right to abortion. Saying something like that could really um, impact some of those 
entities, clients, or employees, um, that statement, for example. So there are a lot of logistics uh, to consider. No, I'm glad you raised that last point as well. Also, wow, what a list. Um, and I, we don't even know what will be entirely, I mean, we don't have a clear idea yet, if I understand, um, what the weeks and months ahead may bring as well. Right. So the world as we know it today in, in certain states via this ruling may be different next week or next month too. Is that correct? Yeah, we don't really know the reaction yet from the states uh, fully. Uh, some states, for example, like uh, I believe it's Minnesota, which has a Democrat governor who is challenging the state law banning abortion there. So that puts a hold on it. In Texas, there's even a hold on the ban on abortion there, which just happened uh, due to new pending litigation. So even in states with bans, there are lawsuits happening that may also pause a ban for a period of time. Then in some states like Oregon, Washington, California, they're working on the opposite to make abortive care a constitutional right for women. So we, we don't know yet how states will even criminalize facilitation of abortive care. Will they come after employers offering this coverage? So there are a lot of impactful in unknowns at this time. Mm -hmm. One thing I've also seen crop up is that the Supreme Court's ruling can potentially put into question um, employees' access to IVF and other fertility benefits. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Not only that, not only did they open up that possibility, but some states are already talking about expanding those restrictions on things like contraception and, and Plan B pill. The Affordable Care Act does require covering contraception at no cost except for religious organizations and those entities that are with religious or moral objections, which is really broad and there's no test there that mandates a religious or moral objection to no test to, to say that that's valid. And then Su Supreme Court Clarence Thomas also, in his opinion, talked about the future challenges that should happen on many other laws, not just uh, fertility benefits, but same-sex marriage, gender identity rights. Because there's so much happening and so many unknowns, what would you advise employers to do right now? It is really important that they find, if they didn't, do not already have, a good consultant, insurance consultant, your insurance broker consultant, they will be the first place to help you navigate what your current offering is. And then of course, a legal professional and a tax professional around this topic as well. Someone who can look at your state laws um, and the tax world to determine uh, if you take one approach, what will that look like? Is it legal? How do you tax it? Uh, so definitely talk to your consultants and lawyers. Do you think, given the logistics you've outlined and the sheer complexity of it, do you think, and the sensitive nature, of course, do you think these kinds of benefits are something you can 
imagine employees taking advantage of? Or do you think it is more in an effort for the company to align themselves with their workforce? It's my impression initially that the companies, and this is really large companies that are doing this, like 2000 plus, they can do it. Um, They really were looking to make a statement um, to their employees, to everyone actually out there that they uh, had a, a, a a moral position on this topic um, that led them to offer that benefit. I do believe that in the states that where there is a ban, that there will be uh, women taking advantage of that. It's just what happens with the benefit. So if they are offering it through their health plan, uh, there are limitations, severe limitations on what they can offer uh, pre-tax. So they, like I said earlier, that $50 limitation on lodging. Um, the Internal Revenue Code 213 allows uh, covering travel and lodging, but only up to that $50 limit for lodging. No meals is even covered. Um, yeah, I do believe that it's it's aligning with the company values and making a statement more than anything. At the same time, I, I don't want to take away the fact that women will likely take advantage of this benefit. It's just whether or not it would be worth it if there's taxes or limitations on that benefit. So for example, if they have to be taxed on the benefit because they're offering it outside of the health plan, then is that taxation prohibitive to the the woman seeking that care? If the limitation on lodging is $50 a day, is that such a limitation that the woman want, wouldn't want to take advantage of that. I think any money is good money, really. If you, if you really <laughs> need this care, if you really need this care out of state, uh, I think they would, and they really want it, right? Then I, I believe they'll take advantage even if there are limitations. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed yet that you think is really important to mention surrounding this topic? I want to talk about the difference between insured plans and self-funded plans. Insured plans will be most active because they're governed by the state in which that policy is written. So if it's written in a state that now bans abortive care, that plan will need to automatically be modified. And then the employer wants to consider if they want to provide other resources, because in that state, for example, if you your legal team said that there is a, a, a criminal charge for facilitation, then uh, even if they're offering it outside of the fully insured plan, like a fund, like you mentioned, a four or $10,000 fund, then they're going to have to consider the legal and tax implications as well. Is it criminalized in that state like it is in Texas? Versus for self-funded plans, which are not governed by state law, they, they're afforded uh, the opportunity to continue offering their plan, even in states where there could be a ban because those self-funded plans are, are governed by federal law and ERISA preempts state law from applying to them. But 
even in those states, uh, in those plans, even in those self-funded plans, it will not afford the employer get eligible free card. They could still be criminalized for facilitation of abortive care. So that is where you really need to talk to your legal counsel about whether or not that's advisable based on the law in that state. But we also don't know how those states are going to treat that criminalization of facilitation because we don't know yet if they're actually going to come after the employer for such a fund. And then you have to consider the Hyde Amendment, which is a federal law that bans using federal funds for abortive care. And this will impact any employees on Medicaid or uh, Medicare for disabilities and even the Affordable Care Act marketplace exchanges uh, in the states that had uh, banned abortive care now. So uh, even the Hyde Amendment for Medicare recipients isn't going to prohibit Medicaid recipients from receiving abortive care in states that allow abortive care. Like in California, they actually use state Medicaid funds to pay for abortive care where federal law would not. So it really will vary on your state. So it's super important to have a lawyer, an insurance consultant, and tax professional to help you navigate all of those rules and those considerations. Are there any other resources um, that you would like us to link in the show notes that you think would be helpful for all of our listeners out there if they have questions or anything that you have found helpful? I think it's important to sign up for alerts uh, in general. And that's what I do. Um, or you could do news.levit, for example, is the, the uh, news site that Levit, that I specifically write, uh, that will show you what's happening. And I always link in my articles to the court case or the rule. Uh, I'm a big fan of linking so that all of my readers can actually go to that resource. They're also encouraged to uh, register for any alerts from your specific state's Department of Insurance that will send you the, the specific news on insurance in your state. And they will be telling everyone what employers in that state, those fully insured plans can and cannot do. There is also a lot of alerts in this legislative federal world uh, Department of Health and Human Services and the IRS as well, uh, you can get alerts from them and they'll send some really important uh, information out on all of the, the relevant news impacting you as well as other uh, rules as well, not just on this topic. So cannot stress enough, it would be a good idea to register with those alerts uh, and then be proactive and gentle not alarmist, but proactive. Those are wonderful pieces of advice and resources. Um, Lisa, thank you so very, very much for being so generous with both your time and your expertise. Thank you. You're welcome.
Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks so much for everyone for tuning in. And of course, to Lisa for lending her expertise. Now, if you have not yet, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. You even have the option to leave us a voicemail message if you feel so inclined. You can suggest ideas, uh, pose follow-up questions, or even ideas for future episodes. Be sure to check out the show notes for any of the stories we mentioned above. And thanks for listening. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of This Week in Benefits brought to you by Employer Advisor. Employer Advisor is changing the way employers search, evaluate, and select insurance brokers. Our intuitive platform connects employers and employees to get great benefits and insurance plans by providing employers with actionable data to easily evaluate and select the best advisor for your company's specific needs. To learn more about Employer Advisor and our suite of products, please visit our website at employeradvisor.com and tune in next time. Thanks.